1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Own Personal Beatles, um, the final sort of regular weekly episode of this run, um, but my name's Jack Pelling and with me, as always... It's me, Robin Allender. Hello.
2: How you doing? Really good. Yeah, not bad. Good We've stuff. got a fun episode coming up with Pictish Trail, aka Johnny Lynch, which was a really good chat, fun chat to have with him. It's uh, it's not our most Beatlesy chat, let's be honest, but lots of well, really. There's a fair bit in <laughs> there. there is that, uh, okay.
1: We cover a lot of bases. <laughs> it was really
2: good fun. Some great impressions coming yeah. out there. The <laughs> yeah. Paul, his Paul impression needs a little bit of work. It starts yeah, to sound quite North um, Whalian, but uh... exactly,
1: yeah, it's sort of, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it's great. If, you, if you don't know uh, Pictures Trails stuff or Johnny's stuff, he's a, a brilliant sort of singer-songwriter and owns a sort of collaborative record label called Lost Map from up in the Isle of Egg, where we spoke to him from. Yeah, and also runs in, uh, a
2: festival on Egg um as well which um I, I really want to go to we should try and get
1: to that. yeah it does sound amazing i yeah. mean even seeing like a setup in his little sort of cabin there and he was telling us i think we talk about it in the podcast but just how remote mm. it is out there in the outer hebrides um so we talk a lot a lot about sort of that scene his formative influences and his uh you know getting to know the Beatles. Uh, having moved to America and exploring sort of secondhand CD shops, which is really interesting.
2: Yeah, it was good. And it was just really nice to, you know, cause I guess it's again, similar age thing, but it's just nice to talk about that kind of interest in folk and that DIY scene around the turn of the century which is kind of how mm. he got interested in music. So that was kind of, I thought that yeah, was really interesting. Yeah, lots of chat
1: about burning CDRs. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot just how exciting that was. It was, yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been an exciting week in Beetleland as well yeah. because we've seen the long-awaited uh, special editions slash remixed uh, Giles Martin versions of Let It Be, which has uh, really, for my part, at least exceeded expectations. Mm. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure I've sort of pontificated about how much of a massive fan I am of that project uh, for the 50th anniversary ones. And this was the one that I was a little bit sceptical of because I just thought, you know, it's not recorded at Abbey Road. A lot of those live recordings, I can't really see how much you can do with them. Mm. And that kind of is the case. Um, You know, you can't approve on those massively. But the stuff, you know, recorded in Savile Row Mm. is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Like they're game changing remixes I think they bring out so much character and mm. as always the drums just sound amazing yeah um but this one's probably I was more excited by the kind of sundries really
2: yeah i mean it's just such a brilliant uh edition of songs a super deluxe edition by the way if you if you don't know what we're talking about (laughs) but which also includes the Glyn johns mix of get back which has been obviously bootlegged for a while but now it's officially been released as well as like numerous outtakes including you know working on songs that would end up being on abbey road and Mm. you know it's the whole thing i should say before as well you know if you want to find out more there's two brilliant podcasts which came out this week One of which is the Soda Jerker podcast on songwriting, where they talk to Giles Martin, which is really good. And then our our chum, Joe Wisby on Beatles books, talking to John Harris, who did all the transcripts for the Get Back book um, from the Beatles conversation. That's really worth a listen to. The John Harris chat is particularly interesting because, you know, this whole thing about Get Back, Let It Be is this hodgepodge idea of, of things that was happening where they didn't really know that they were recording an album so it's all that kind of are we rehearsing or are we recording yeah. an album and so i think the, the the thing the thing with let it be and is that i i'm it was quite a late discovery for me i think in the first episode of this i said you know let it be is one, the one album we never had at home mm. i kind of my journey with it started with this podcast really and and the, the thing with the album and then hearing, obviously, the Let It Be Naked, and then the various things you can find on YouTube and bootlegs, or whatever. And then, of course, the film, mm. um, which is quite hard to see now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that you, with the album, you kind of, at the time, or when you first hear Let It Be The Album, it's a part of a whole, but you don't realise it's a part of a whole. So you make kind of all these kind of assumptions about it and kind of there's all these kind of received, uh, you know, interpretations and wisdom about it. You know, for instance, I I, I remember saying, you know, the Let It Be original album contains little snippets of chatter introducing songs. And I felt at the time, like, is that like they're trying to recapture something of the White Album, whether there are those skits coming and going and everything. Hmm. And obviously that was something that Phil Spector did, like, much after, much later than the event. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know... Obviously, my first experience when I was a kid hearing the Blue Album and wondering why Long and Winding Road, why did they do that? You know, why does it sound <laughs> not like a Beatles album? And then, of course, realising yeah. that the Spectre strings are not something they were happy with, and, or if Paul at least wasn't happy with. Them. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the amazing thing about Super De, the Super Deluxe is we, we get to see the whole. You know, we yeah. get to see how it all makes sense in terms of the development of it and, and what happened in such a short space of time. It's three weeks you know,
1: mm. incredible. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's so much more stuff. I mean, I just loved a lot of the stuff for them just kind of jamming and mm. the stuff that's pretty inc- inconsequential. But yeah, a lot of those snippets, you hear them in context for the first time in yeah, any yeah. sort of official release, which is really interesting. Yeah. Billy Preston... Gets amazing. a bit more sort of centre stage and someone, and the one song, the song that he sings, which is absolutely unbelievable. His voice is amazing. Yeah, he's like it's so good, properly. But I just love the way that they slot in backing him up and stuff as well. Yeah. I, mean, I would give a lot for a, a Billy Preston album with a Beatles backing band. Yeah, if that's anything to go by.
2: Yeah, and um, Ringo as well. You mentioned the drums on Charles Martin's remixes, but Ringo is just so sensitive. Mm. The way he plays and yeah. the stuff where they're developing songs. You can tell by the way he's playing that he knows the song already. You know? Yeah. And he's so yeah, sensitive yeah. and integral to that and there's the wonderful bit obviously which Rob Sheffield I think ends Dreaming the Beatles book with by pointing out that bit, you know, before Don't Let Me Down. Ringo says, mm. no, John says to Ringo, I need a big crash to give me the courage to come screaming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant. It's, it's so, so good. great.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really a lot of those sessions are kind of um, you know, act a bit like a trailer for You know what we might be seeing in the film and stuff because I assume there's footage of the majority of this stuff. So to see the fully restored um, versions, we also got a new trailer for that as well. Yes, this week, which is amazing. And I like the way they've kind of
2: added that element of peril in you know like a plot kind of it's become a thriller i mean
1: that's a little bit um yeah the whole the sort of lower third of the beatles have three weeks to make an album or whatever i like it's kind of you know (laughs) you've got but you've got to sell a film like that so we'll see how much there is of that in the actual thing yeah sure but um yeah because especially compared to because there's a lot of bits that um You know, there's a bit more sort of meat on the bones in terms of what we see from performances in this one. And Mm. if you're someone like me who's been sort of searching around for really scratchy, horribly compressed YouTube versions of them, Mm. uh, it is pretty amazing to see them sort of all cleaned up and stuff. Although I do think... I mean, as I said to you, my immediate reaction to watching it was... I think I was probably sitting a little bit too close to the big (laughs) screen to try and suck up all the detail, but... There is a, some slightly strange sort of AI artifacts going on. Do you reckon? Yeah, it looks like it's sort of been cleaned up with like machine learning. Right, right. So right. if you look too closely, you can just see how people in the background are sort of blurred out a bit, mm. and the movements a bit strange, and it looks like they've been kind of deep faked. That's interesting. Well, it's the. I think it's the same technology that sort of recreates lost. Data like that
2: Right There's an interesting bit again In Charles Martin On Soda Jerk Where he's talking about how He's obviously working on the The music For the Get Back films
1: mm-hmm.
2: And um, One thing that happened Was with the video With the cameras Was that the, When they'd lose Battery or power they, they, the, the film slowed down so they had to right. kind of re-speed it up and then like re-sync the music with it. And there was all kind of issues like that, which is kind of really interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, it must have been an absolute nightmare <laughs> yeah. to six hours of online footage yeah. for that. But, uh, yeah. you know, I just couldn't be more excited about listening to it, especially yeah. the sort of the, the more joyous elements of the room made me You're quite emotional actually oh me too it made me think i'm gonna be an absolute fucking wreck by the end of the the i mean yeah
2: there is that and obviously i mean this has kind of probably been gone on about a lot but the the kind of the the main thing is obviously that kind of received wisdom that it was a bad time during Mm -hmm. that period and obviously by hearing the super deluxe and what we'll see with get back is that it's not quite simple as that you know um and there was still you know, churning out music and getting along, but also not getting along. But you know, <laughs> it was yeah. it was just more ambiguous than the kind
1: of. I think we are, hopefully we'll get to see a, a little bit more of the sort of George walkout, but yeah. hopefully also how it gets all around, patched up and yeah. just it just feels like we're going to get a slightly. I mean, you always have to be a bit wary with these officially sanctioned projects that they might mm. be a little bit, you know, uh, sanitised version of history or whatever. But it yeah. does look like this is going to be quite comprehensive and no yeah. holes barred yeah. um i mean I was paul's s- introduction in the book mm. is um incredibly diplomatic oh is it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'd like to read that, that yeah um, i like the line then um the george martin when they asked george martin how he wanted to be credited yeah. uh on the album and he said uh how about produced by george martin produced by phil Spector?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good, um, yeah. which is great. But, but you that's, know, that's, we, could we could talk about that for hours.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, the other one thing I wanted to point out again is obviously like the Glenn John's. It was the Glyn yes, John's uh, get back, you know, which is part of the Super Deluxe, which I, I found probably the most emotional. And again, obviously, it's been around for ages and bootlegged, mm. etc. But the you know the interesting thing is there's a Glyn John's interview in Mojo where he said you know they all hated it when I first did it. Uh, but there's that great Paul McCartney interview the one he did in the 80s for Q, which we mentioned yeah, with yeah. Joe Wisby, where he talks about loving it because it was quite avant-garde. Yeah. But, you know, this is Paul being an unreliable n- narrator again, probably. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I I really, I sort of had that in mind when I listened to Glenn Johns' Get Back because it is like, it reminded me, not sonically, but it reminded me of Trout Mask Replica in that you're constantly seeing out of the frame. You yeah. know, on Trout Mask, you can hear Zappa... Engineering it, you can hear them doing other takes or rehearsals of songs. You can hear them walking around mm. outside the, the studio. You know, this composition is called "Neon Mid Dreams of an Octopus." <laughs> oh no, it's hair pie! You know, you can hear all those kind of little <laughs> bits. A good impression. Yeah, <laughs> and like kind of running jokes, and you know, you're constantly the the album itself is kind of about the recording process. And with the get back, yeah. it's the same thing. You know, we're we, we're getting to see an insight into the actual recording process, and it's rough and ready, and it's a document. Of if, if that kind of t- of that uh, time and how those songs came to be and they're playing yeah. in kind of a really rough bluesy way, uh, Harrison's guitar sounds so amazing.
1: Yeah, it's that Johns beautiful ones. rosewood telly that yeah, is yeah. completely inimitable. I've never heard a telly that sounds like yes, it. it's it's great. probably because it apparently it weighs an absolute ton. <laughs> which probably helps, but it's got some lovely tone. My friend had the what, the um, the
2: kind of cu- Fender did... The did custom a, shop. ..did a one. run of those, yeah, they're, they're yeah. Very, very, very nice. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, just I just think it sounds beautiful. It's, yeah. It's really, really But
1: that's, great. you know, what you just said, it's like that was the original intention. Mm. It just happened that it took half a century for yeah, yeah. it to sort of be realised. And, yeah. and all that stuff of seeing George, uh, again, stuff that's been around, but George writing something and... Yeah. John trying to, he's like, just say, you know, attracts me like a cauliflower yeah, until yeah, the right bird yeah. comes. Yeah. So, so great and sweet as well. And yeah. Ringo obviously writing uh, Octopus's Garden. I mean, and the, the amazing,
2: yeah. And the amazing thing in the Get Back film is, you know, there will be a bit of Paul coming up with the song Get Back. Like he's, he's actually filmed him coming up with the, he starts yeah. playing the bass and starts singing it. You know, that's going to be quite amazing. I think... Tears will flow for you there, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, very, 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 (laughs) very likely, I'd say.
1: I like the shots of him. There's some shots in the trailer, as well, of of Paul playing, upside down, playing George's telly as well. Oh, really? It'd be interesting to see how that sounded. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, we we could dedicate a whole podcast to uh, this Let It Be stuff and maybe we will. (laughs) Um, But uh, as I mentioned, for now, this is our last sort of regular stuff, but it won't be the last you hear of us in Hmm. in 2021 nearly got the year on, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to get in touch with us with uh you know any if you had an emotional reaction to any mm. of this stuff, then uh yeah, please do write in to us. you go to personalbeatles forward slash contact or email me jack at homespunsounds dot com or get in touch in the old social medias yeah
2: um, I mean, we should say you know we, yeah we, we're, we're not we're, we're going to do a couple next month, I think is the plan, and then hopefully a Christmas special. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, in some form or other And we've
1: got one more bonus episode coming out With uh, Johnny White from Really Really From Mm. last series Where we're going to have a stab at covering Some Beatles songs Mm. Which is going to be really fun Um, So yeah, if you want to get that And uh, extended versions Not expensive versions (laughs) um, If you want to get that and extended Ad free versions of all our episodes You can join our Patreon And it's uh, you just go to patreon.com Forward slash personal Beatles and uh you know w- we will be sort of winding things up now so do feel free to join it for a month and download all the stuff you mm. want and then leave you yeah. know yeah, sure. it, you know I, I, and we don't won't tear uh, people sort of in you know, playing monthly thing after we finish so mm. we're probably going to shut it down mm. um so don't worry you won't get stung um <laughs> But uh, yeah, thanks so much for everyone who is a Patreon and uh, for the new people that have joined and the new people that have given us nice reviews and all of that stuff. Mm. If you want to do similarly, you can uh, and you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can go and leave us a five star review there. It's very nice and it helps other people find the show and Mm. stuff. So um, we went. Take up any more of your time in this slightly long intro, um, mm. but, but it's,
2: good, it's a good time to be a Beatles fan, though. So, and maybe a bad time to end the Beatles podcast.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolute sort of content planning nightmare. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, enjoy this fabulous episode with the brilliant Pictures Trail.
3: How was your birthday, Sesh? My birthday, it was really great. Yeah, well, it was great. I turned forty. So, it's yes. as great as turning 40 can, can ever be with all the sort of existential preamble and postamble, as it <laughs> <Yeah>. turns out, <laughs> that there is. Uh, it was amazing. It was really cool. I tried to cram in as much stuff as I could o- over in the course of the weekend because, uh, you know, on Egg, there's only one ferry that ever comes over per day if you're lucky yeah and there's mm-hmm. no bridge to get over here so and weather tends to affect the ferries crossing and all that sort of stuff and the ferry the weather was looking really dicey in the week leading up to it and i'd invited about 30 pals to come over mm. and uh so it looked at one point like no one was gonna come over and it was just be me celebrating my birthday <laughs> on my own <laughs> with my kids Sorry. and uh but no it turned out amazing everything came together cool. i cool. sort of I manufactured it so that I insisted that as soon as everyone got off the boat, they had to do a music video with me. <laughs> 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 it's my birthday. I'll do a music video if I want to. <laughs> and we did. And then we got. That's there was great. a lot of booze involved. And that's uh, great. That's all I remember. Have you? Have you always? You didn't grow up in on, on the Hebrides, did you? No. No. I moved here uh, about eleven years ago. Before that, I was living. Uh, in Fife, I used to run a record label there called Fence yeah. Records. Oh, of course, yeah. In the Fence Collective thing there mm. in Fife. And then I moved to Egg, and then all of that, all the fence yeah. thing crumbled. And so I started <laughs> <laughs> Lost Map from here. Yeah, amazing. amazing. I've been over to Tyree once, in, oh. which is really good fun. <laughs> I've never been. It's, this is the thing a lot of people who say, oh, have you ever been to Egg? Oh, I've never been. I've been to these other islands. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's all other islands that I've not been to. No. I suppose, is it a bit like when Americans
2: say, oh, Bristol, is that near London or something like that? <laughs>
3: is it a bit like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, we do get a lot of Americans here. <laughs> yeah, okay. Trying to uh, uncover, like, my, yeah, uh, my great-great-grandfather was from Eg.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say that, I did have to Google the, the pronunciation of it earlier. Anyway, have we start we, 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 we should it, or should we do a little intro?
1: Well, I quite like that, we that can keep good. it in yeah. if we want. Good. But, um, but um,
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. welcome to your own personal Beatles, Mr. Johnny Lynch, a.k.a. Pictish Trail. Hello. Uh, coming from us live from Egg, the Isle of Egg. Is it Inner Hebs, inner hebs or Outer Hebs? way? <laughs> In, you, hebs. in Hebs,
3: in my inner Hebs. Lovely, yeah. <laughs> it just it's part of the small isles, okay, which is uh, just south of the Isle of Skye.
1: Is there an inner outer rivalry, <laughs> um, like Hebs and Hearts, or something,
3: or belly buttons? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there isn't. This is the thing. Yeah, we don't. We tend not to fraternise with the. Right, with yeah. the Outer Hebrides, like scumbags.
1: Much. <laughs> I, I've been
2: to, I visited. Jan Tierson lives on the island of Wesson, off the coast of Brest. It's really beautiful island. I think I've that, never been. It's fantastic, and there is another smaller island just off it, and there is a rivalry between them. The smaller island is uh, called Il Molen, and there's a joke on Wesson, which is uh, why do all the kids on Molen have uh, big ears. And the answer is it's because the parents of the kids hold them up by their ears to show them how beautiful Wesson is. So there we go. Lovely stories. I've never been there. It's
3: meant to be quite religious. I th- Formally, yeah, formally, but um, not so much anymore. I think, well, cer- certain islands out in the Outer Hebrides still observe, still so observe a Sunday. Right, OK. Whereas here we don't observe a Sunday, mostly because I think we'd sort of drink through it. You can yeah. Have... <laughs> You drink on the Saturday and you wake up and it's Monday.
2: Yeah, like, oh, the, the island scene does seem to be quite a lot of, there's quite a lot of boozing going on <laughs> What is that? Why is that? I wonder. What
3: I have been islands. told off by a few islanders in the past for like talking about eggs' um, relationship with booze. Like, oh, you're right. not presenting a very good picture of, of the island. Yeah. I'm, prevent- I'm presenting a very real picture. Of it. <laughs> He said in a, quite an English voice. Yes, yeah. I'm presenting a very real
2: version of the island. That's great. Oh, good. Right, maybe we should probably talk about the Beatles, really.
3: But um... I love the Beatles. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there in the end. Yeah, I'd say I love your podcast so oh, much. Great. Thanks. It's very kind. Thank and it, it has, in fact, sort of, um, yeah, it has contributed to my love of said Beatles because that cool. like. I have always been like uh, it's, well as you'll discover in this episode <laughs> I'm a fan mm-hmm. of the Beatles but I'm by no means an expert whatsoever mm-hmm. and so it's been really nice to be able to listen to this podcast and not feel intimidated by other people's knowledge of the Beatles mm-hmm. cause it is quite a as you, as you, yeah, as you say in the title, it's quite a personal journey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes three of us. <laughs> Welcome to Amateur Hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although the last couple of
3: episodes have had like some total uh, like Beatles boffins.
1: Yeah. Mm. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's good to mix it up with people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: has it been, along with the podcast, has it been kind of has the Beatles kind of affected your listening? Habits in the in the pandemic as well, do you think? Do you you found yourself listening to more
3: Quite a lot recently because of this podcast. Mm. (laughs) But um uh so I was listening to a lot just when the series started, my friend James Hankins. Hello, James Hankins. Informed me that you were making it and uh and it sort of revived my interest in like, oh yeah, I should listen to the Beatles more. And we've (laughs) got Me and my partner got two young kids. Arlo's just turned six, and nice. my daughter Ness, who's two. And over the past yeah year and a half, it's just been sort of introducing them to music that we love, and because wow. we've been been here more. I, n- normally in mm. my life, I'm like I tour quite a bit, so I'm never mm. on the island for more than a couple of weeks at a time. Yeah. Before I have to kind of go off and tour or do meetings or whatever. Mm. And um, but this is like this past year and a half has been really nice because it's you know just been. Yeah, with the kids the entire time And yeah. listening to our favourite music, Full Blast And cool. yeah, seeing the joy in their hearts As they yeah. discover the, the work of the Beatles <laughs> Where have you been starting with them? What's it kind of... um, well, the classic kids' tunes So Yellow Submarine I, You know, I, I, Sarah introduced Arlo to Yellow Submarine Before I had any say on it And he started singing it And then I started listening to it Oh, my God, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much maligned, isn't it? It
2: is, yeah. And I think, yeah, no, I, I think my relationship with it's changed since we did the podcast. I sort of always, I'd never skip it on Revolver, but what the, when you actually listen to it on its own, on its own mm. sake, the world it builds is amazing
3: with the sound effects and the production Beautiful and how catchy it is, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really lovely, and it's like got such a clean sound to it. When the guitars, acoustic guitars, come in, and there's just. Yeah, it's a really a beautiful blend of instruments that are kind of going on in that. Octopus's Garden, not quite as. We've, <laughs> we've managed to keep the kids away from that one. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is my relationship with a lot of Beatles songs now because there's some that I'm just like, oh, I absolutely love that song with all my heart and it'll make me feel quite emotional thinking about it or talking about it. And then there's other thong- songs that I'm just like, Oh, that's absolutely shite. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start with some of the shite ones, yeah. and then move on to the good? <laughs> Do you want me to start with the shite ones? I don't know if this is going into the controversial Beatles opinion too
1: early. Uh, oh, you though. know, let's let's see.
2: Well, yeah, like
3: I mean, I I think
2: it's 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 interesting. There's certain songs for me for sure. Like I've never ever liked "Can't Buy Me Love." I just oh. when, mm. I always just mm. thought it was just so kind of I don't know, just sort of throwaway. I mean
3: it's just an opinion well <laughs> yeah. it's weird because it's listening to this podcast has made me ha- like yeah analyze a lot of <laughs> the Beatles works more than I had done before but like I think with, with a lot of the early stuff because it's got because the sort of makeup of it is uh, you know the bass drums guitar mm. two guitars and vocals it's got that sort of uh, that formula to it there's just kind of it's just fueled by amphetamines and mm, mm, goodwill yeah. isn't it the whole yeah. thing and so like all that early stuff i just kind of I, uh, I love it but i love it all as sort of one tune
2: right i know what you <laughs> yeah. mean
3: yeah for sure King Creosote, who uh, used to do the collective with, he used to do a thing called One Chord Beatles, where he would just play all the hits of the of the Beatles with one chord. Oh, really? And do like a a never ending medley of Beatles tunes. That was one.
1: Wow. One
3: Chord Beatles. It was fucking hellish. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sounds sounds
3: dreadful. (laughs) He really crowbar. Yeah. It was crap.
2: the early stuff on a casual listen it's kind of easier to see them as more of a sort of historical document as a time whereas the later you know post 65 it feels so much more timeless like but like i do kind of go back to a lot of early stuff um and really really enjoy it now but for i think as for when you're first kind of getting into
3: them it feels like yeah you do kind of put them all together in one box somehow mm. Mm. it's less experimentation as well isn't it it's just mm. on from their as a band they're experimenting less in the studio at that point and mm. so there's less expression from that mm. standpoint yeah. and and so the later stuff has has all that and you're like oh wow there's a whole different level mm. whole different world being opened up
1: yeah for sure. That. although i think because i've since i've read the mark lewison book uh which i always bang on about <laughs> in recent episodes. It's the infinite jest of,
2: of Beatles books.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it really has opened up my love for um, that period where mm. I was pretty indifferent about um, all of that early stuff. And although the songwriting takes a while to get interesting, mm. the band, you know, the, oh my God, they're good. Like, yeah. They're just <laughs> Lennon and McCartney together, and the way that their voices work in those first couple of albums is just so yeah there's something so magical about it that as soon as John started to sort of disguise his voice a bit with um you know artificial sort of studio stuff he mm. kind of lost that a bit yeah but so the rawness of it i still um and and that yeah that amphetamine energy is still the most exciting stuff yeah. on the rec- on record
2: but i think you can sort of start to see the experimental experimentation come in in like Hard Day's Night if you're listening kind of closely like the songs are just going slightly more wayward you know Hard Day's Night <laughs> itself has got Is kind it, of <laughs> it's Matt <laughs> eating some celery just yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs>
2: but like Hard Day's Night's got the kind of sped up guitar solo thing and you know the, obviously the oh, opening yeah. chord there are just, you know and it's, it does just you just the, the clues are there they're a bit they're a bit kind of smaller you know what I mean <laughs> like you can mm. see them the way mm. they're going but yeah
1: yeah, for sure. So when you were a kid, did you have uh, Beatles in your c- catalogue?
3: No, not at all. And this is why it's kind of, I'm quite enjoying playing stuff to the kids now and and seeing what their reaction is to it. And like Arlo especially is just sort of fascinated by just the concept of rock and roll being a thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and just And it's so, I'm sort of living my childhood vicariously through him now, just like getting right. to sort of experience that. Hearing the Beatles at that age, because when I was a kid, we did like my parents listened to um, some really turgid shit, like <laughs> <Really>? um, <laughs> Molotov Kantia. No, <laughs> well, do you know what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't we'll get to that. But, I'm sure. well, yeah. <laughs> oh, that I love that tune. But um, <laughs> I quite like Molotov. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> they listened to like Barbara Dixon. Okay, who? Uh, I I feel bad calling that turgid shit. She's <laughs> <laughs> she lives on egg. <laughs> yeah. uh, she lives in Fife, funnily enough. Or did, uh, and she, um, yeah, that yeah, that sort of MOR 70s stuff. They were kind right. of into a little bit of that, and the, like a lot of folk stuff, like the, but really saccharin folk stuff in mm. Scotland, like the Corries and the McCalmans I don't know if any of that will be familiar to to you, but it's not the sort of. My mum and dad were both folkies, actually, both musicians. Right. Yeah. And t- uh, up to a certain point, and then they had children, and that all went. <laughs> that all went <laughs> all. But um, and they had like Pentangle and uh, right. you know, Bert Yance records, and oh, so they had all the good stuff. They had some good stuff, but they, the stuff they really loved was the Turgid shit, the <laughs> yeah. and and uh, the cores. They didn't have the <laughs> the Corries and uh, <laughs> McAlman's. Yeah. The Corries wrote Scotland's national anthem Flower of Scotland which right. you might be familiar really? with yeah. Oh flower of Scotland How <laughs> and will we see Your likes again <laughs> It's the Mull of Kintyre of its day Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It There is a good Beatles connection with Scotland though isn't there you are the wearing green coats, Standing so In the sun the moon. You and me paper. nowhere. On our way back. Oh.
2: I mean obviously Paul, but John went on childhood holidays to the Highlands oh, and yes. famously crashed his car in
3: like Durness, is that right? I think so.
2: Yeah. With yoko in it and he's, he's, he said something mm. like if you're ever going to crash your car make sure it's in scotland or something because <laughs> he was so <laughs> well looked after in the in the hospital
3: well there's a place i think it's Durness and i could be wrong but it's Darness. it's right at the very north north top of scotland and um the other side of where john o'groats is mm-hmm. and they've got a an art center up there which is like about 15 years ago we played it mm. and uh I think it's called the John Lennon Art Center. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it doesn't double as an airport, and, um, uh, but yeah, they, we did a gig there with John Cooper Clark. Oh, amazing! It was it's really nice. Cool. It was very nice.
2: That's, uh, he, I just I only really know, know that because that story because Ian Rankin's last book I read it and it kind of covers that John Lennon story, because he sets it kind of somewhere up there.
1: It was his excuse for having nothing to do with Maxwell Silverhammer. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It> was <laughs> an I think he said he was, yeah. It was <laughs> after the crasher came back, they'd spend a week doing it. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> 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 Probably <laughs> careered into a tree on purpose. <laughs> um, but uh, where, whereabouts is Paul's farm then that he escaped to in sort of late Beatles early? Where's all the ram? Is that in Kentire?
3: Was it in? Is I think it- so, and it's like that's on the west coast of Scotland. It's not the Isle of, so it's different from the Isle of Mull, right? Which is a, an island. Which is an island. But Mull of Kintyre is on a peninsula on the on the. Uh, I'm going to get my Scottish geography wrong, which is appalling because <laughs> I'm from the east coast originally, and I only moved to the west coast 11 years ago. Only 11 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's on the mainland, and um, yeah, there's a, it's still owned by Macca, mm. right? He's still got the. The, the land there. Yeah and, I think so I right? was speaking to still, it still goes a, there a, often. a
1: Scottish friend of mine the other day who told me the rather disappointing fact that um, the long and winding road is literally about a long and winding road <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a metaphor for life as we uh, yeah.
2: It's better than the uh, one of the stories I've heard which is it's about
3: Paul's willy but you know, <laughs> come on, let's, let's move on.
1: <laughs> that
3: sounds like a Billy Connolly joke right there. It was about Paul's Willie. Yeah. Eh, yeah. So, funnily enough, you're talking about like earliest like Beatles songs and memories and stuff. Uh, the long and winding road and Let It Be were both in my like I was brought up Catholic, and they were both in the church hymn book because there was a sort of uh, yeah. Catholic churches went a bit folky, I guess in the sixties, seventies and 80s. and uh yeah, I remember being at my uncle chris's wedding and singing the long and winding road along with uh everyone else in the congregation, not having never heard the song before having like or not really knowing it at all and it, and suddenly singing it in church, and then it'd be oh this is this is by the beatles all mm. oh, right oh, it's quite weird that like yeah, contemporary pop songs would be included in Catholic mass
2: so did you have a kind of rebellion period when you were growing up when you sort of what was the kind of music you discovered what got you into music and being a musician
3: yourself well weirdly enough um i don't I, i i think a lot of the stuff that i liked when i first started liking music was stuff that i thought was funny Right, because you were a comedian first when you (laughs) did do some stand-up comedy, yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, at university, yeah, with pals, and was absolutely fast. I'm just, I'm still fascinated by comedy, and I think there's something about my first, yeah, the first love of music I had was just stuff that I thought would just sounded hilarious, Mm. and I still kind of have a nostalgia for like the stuff that sounds stupid. Yeah, so like, I, I mean, um. Not that it's stupid, but Vic Reeves' stuff, yeah. all his yeah. music, mm. and all the songs that Vic and Bob did on their show. I yeah. was absolutely Dizzy. dizzy. <laughs> but even the songs <laughs> that they wrote in The Smell Of and the songs yeah. that they did yeah. on Big Night Out and stuff, I was yeah. just... Thought were amazing and Chris great, Morris too. Songs.
2: Those, those songs were actually really good, like the Pixies one and the the Nirvana one and oh yeah, the, the Ice Tea one. <laughs> like Ice it was, one, yeah. It's possibly a bit dubious now, but Furqan, it was.
3: So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was so funny. But the have you heard the Pixies one? Because it's like it could be a Pixies song, basically. Do you know, I've not, not listened... To, that's from the day-to-day, is it? It was from the radio show he did. Uh, like, I think it was the Radio 1 show he did. Or it might have been um,
3: one of the local shows before that. I've not heard it in so long. I was absolutely obsessed with all that, though, when it was first out. But I know what you mean. Like, as a teenager, you sort of... Uh, that all gets blurred into one a
2: bit, doesn't it? Like you like funny stuff and you like music and you like funny music. I mean, I
3: loved like Cotton Eye Joe when that came out. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. (laughs) And there's something like, there's a frequency that it used to trigger in my brain that I would take great pleasure listening to it. Like there was a horrible moment in sort of rave culture when it sort of uh, (laughs) crossed over into chart, chart and all of a sudden you had rave versions of the theme tune of, Tetris and yeah, Super yeah.
1: Mario Brothers. Casualty. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Rainbow theme tune had like uh there was a rave version oh, of Rainbow yeah, yeah. as that well. Was kind of,
2: sort of, almost the happy hardcore kind of stuff. It was a, spe- it was a UK garage version of Casualty. It's actually banging. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ironically,
2: yeah, we'll, uh, we'll put a clip of that in. So, what kind of, so you listened to it, so it was Vic and Bob and uh, other things like that. A and...
3: lot, lot of that stuff, and then mm. got he- quite heavily into Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. And th- so it's funny actually hearing I Am the Walrus for the first time. My first exposure to I Am the Walrus was the Oasis's cover oh, version.
2: Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's out of tune, that one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is great that cover version. Yeah, I think so. great. I'll stick up for that. Um, yeah. I'll oh yeah. That on the on the main road VHS in nineteen
3: ninety six. Yeah, I loved. I mean, yeah, I'm still quite passionate about all that stuff in a way, In a weird way, like it sort of. Uh, it's very nostalgic to me, like all the sort of Oasis stuff. Bizarrely, mm. it's so nice that you had Christian Madden on the yeah, show yeah. last year because yeah. the, the early's produced my first album, right? Yeah, as Pictish cool. Trail, and uh, so it's so insane to see Christian now in Liam's band I and I'm like, performing. I was watching footage of like Liam performing at the Transmit Festival in Glasgow the other yeah. week, and it's all these twenty-year-olds singing. Like Oasis B sides yeah. and stuff. Yeah. What? what? I, love, I, I just love how Christian. When I always try to like pause the
2: TV when he's on and <laughs> like yeah. screenshot or something. But like but Christian that always looks rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, keyboards. Christian always looks like slightly bored <laughs> when he's playing. He's, yeah.
1: just, he's so funny. He's one of the funniest people I've ever met. It's turning into quite a brilliant gig that because yeah. you know, for the nice with the nicest will in the world a solo Liam Gallagher record four years ago. At, was not You didn't think you were going to be playing fucking Nebworth Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know it's, it's unbelievable It's good I suppose yeah. it's the 90s Do you think that's a part of the sort of 90s revival that seems to be happening? Well, it seems
3: like It's weird, isn't it, that it's, that's happening now Because I remember in the sort of late 90s, early 90s Just this constant 80s revival that never seemed to fucking mm. go away And maybe <laughs> it's still going on yeah. But um, mm. as we're all getting older and not.
1: Wow, people didn't die
3: as quickly as we thought they would.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it's so there's something about the 30-year rule then because we talk a lot about the Beatles renaissance in the 90s. Yeah. Maybe there's something about that magic
3: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: Time period that makes you slightly, when you're just about old enough to start getting nostalgic for your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for your teenage years. Yeah, that's, it, yeah,
2: it's interesting. I think it's all about handling your legacy. And I think Liam, I mean, this is true of the Beatles, obviously. I don't think anyone's handled the legacy better than them. Like when, especially when you think like Queen put an advert for on like you know B and Q or something, to use, <laughs> you know whatever it was, yeah. you know. But like Sketches, yeah. <laughs> but like um, Liam Gallagher, I think has handled his legacy quite well, apart from BDI.
3: Can I just that second BDI album stands up? I'm going to put that. Really, out there. but anyway, <laughs> uh, the you just mentioned Queen. Then it reminded me of the most offensive thing that I've heard on this show, which was <laughs> is it John John Robbins Robbins yeah. saying that yeah. I remember feeling physically sick when he said that the Beatles <laughs> the Beatles were uncool and that Queen were a cooler band than the. Beatles. Oh no, wasn't it the Queen was. The Beatles weren't
2: they sexy. They weren't sexy. That
1: was his, what well, he came up Queen talking. was sexier than the, I mean. Yeah. I've never thought of Roger Deakins as an incredibly sexy man. Wait, wait, wait. John Deacon or Roger Taylor. Oh, it she- it right, Who's Roger Deakins? Oh, the cinematographer. <laughs> yeah. Well, He is a sexy man. Very <laughs> good with
3: the camera. Actually, now that you've said the word sexy, I'm feeling that vomit again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just that picture of Brian May with his big hairy back comes into... Have you seen that
1: photograph of Brian no. May
3: leering over... Over the precipice somewhere, and he's got a big hairy back. Oh,
1: he's got like a Brian Giggs torso, has he? Oh, wow. It's oh, got no, disappointing. It's,
3: it's, it's just the top of his shoulders. He's got grey curly hair that sort of like melts into his sort of oh, really ha- hairy shoulders. I always think of um, Jimmy Carr's joke on the big fat quiz of the year where he goes, They go through all the months of the year, and he's, he says, uh, Like Anita Dobson, we reluctantly slide onto May. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, Brian May. Since he's gone grey, stroke white, his hair look. Whenever you see a photo of him, his hair looks like it's been rubbed out. You know, with an eraser. There's <laughs> just a big white patch above his head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh,
3: been Yeah. <laughs> I've had the uncoolest (laughs) unsexiest music history of all time. I listened to the Beatles in church and then I was heavily into rednecks. And then I got into the Oasis. (laughs) And just look at me now. (laughs) I was thinking about my earliest Beatles memory actually though the other day, and I think I mentioned it to you in an email before, and it was French and Saunders doing their cover of Help for comic relief.
2: With Banana Rama. Mm, -rama.
3: Yeah. And I remember uh, remember absolutely loving that, listening to that when Derek Jamieson would play it on the radio on Radio 2 in the mornings, driving to school. Classic. I mean, it was better than The Stonk, you know, so. That was really (laughs) quite bad, wasn't it? (laughs) Although what what we wouldn't give now for a song of that to the quality <laughs> of the stonk. Yeah, God. I don't remember the stonk. You don't remember the stonk? To the rhythm of the honky tonk, <laughs> put a red nose on your cock <laughs> and let's stonk.
1: Who was responsible for that lovely ditty? Hail and Hill Pace. And peace. Hail and Pace. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the single also featured Brian May, Tony Iommi and
1: David Gilmore. They're only the
3: band that French and Saunders could have been. <laughs>
1: So have you got much Beatles in your own music then? Is it a sort of conscious influence?
3: Yeah, and it kind of came quite... uh, Yeah, it definitely is. And it's something really struck me about the Beatles that um, when I was a teenager, I was in... um, We moved from the UK to America, so I did high school in the States... Mm. And up until that point, I'd never really heard any Beatles properly because I'd only heard, like, French and Saunders (laughs) versions. And I would only Mm. have heard, like, the Oasis version of I'm the Walrus. (laughs) And then, and just, you know, occasionally seeing Macca on Saturday morning television doing a phone-in or something like that. So my sort of relationship with the Beatles was kind of like, just didn't really know any of the songs, really. Mm. And then went to America and they've got classic rock radio which on the school bus they you know you'd be hearing all this sort of classic you know the british invasion all this all these bands from the 60s that just didn't get played on the radio in 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 the uk as much when i was growing up or it certainly didn't feel like it like um i think uh, bbc radio and all that sort of stuff just only would ever play the hits of the day and would kind of shy away from mm. playing anything from the 60s or whatever because it sounded dated. But in the States, they absolutely love it. And mm. it's on all of the time. Yeah. And so I remember hearing that stuff and just being like, oh, wow, this is what the Beatles sound like. And yeah. then buying... like We could never afford to buy the CDs back catalogue. The Beatles... We could never afford to buy the Beatles back catalogue on CD because it was just so riotously expensive mm. always. Mm. But in the States, they've got so many secondhand CD stores. Mm. I used spend my entire... My entire teenage years were just spent in the two or three different secondhand CD stores, just kind of going through the racks and buying. Like, I remember buying the Blue album, the best of '67 to '70, and putting it on and listening to Strawberry Fields, and it just totally blowing my mind. Just, I don't think anything's been. I'd, I've never listened to music in the same way since. It just, um, it ca- it. It was so unexpected It was so unexpected what it was I just uh, Because my impression of the Beatles at that point Had been just the mop top You know, lads on Ed Sullivan show And all the sort of early hits That were kind of You know, yeah, background music Almost in my life In my (laughs) life at that point But um, yeah, hearing that And just hearing what music could be and And it just being so completely different To everything that was contemporary at that point as well Just like Everything contemporary that I'd been listening to I was just, I'm emotional now Even thinking about it It just totally caught me off guard Yeah, yeah And um, just being able to Like the lyrics of that tune Like listening to a song where You could have those lyrics That just are completely nonsensical And just Mm. so experiential Just like, whoa This is allowed, hold on What? (laughs) How how is yeah. this even possible? It's amazing. Yeah. It is. I mean,
2: yeah, the, I I always think that like the the way he includes the kind of uh yes, I mean, you know, and that kind of halting delivery mm. it takes you into something that's so personal, unique to him, I think, that,
3: you know. And then when you later discover the world of drugs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then it becomes even more amazing that he's able to sort of articulate that mad feeling of being outside yourself, or be, yeah. or or having a, this incredible self awareness, but not being able to articulate it. In, yeah, in in you know coherent sentences, just
2: beautiful. It's extraordinary how that me- the message of that song, which is essentially I, I can't describe the way I'm feeling. <laughs> Yeah, that message is communicated so fluently because everyone has that reaction to the song. They're just like it seems to sum up a a feeling for them. You know, there's what what is it? It's impossible to define what is it about that song (laughs) that
3: it's just Mm. mesmeric to so many people. It's insane, isn't it? Mm. It's just so like yeah, just completely it blows. Just blows my mind. <laughs> mm. It blowed. Yeah. It blew my tiny mind. I, I think I mean a no, a yes, but it's all yeah. right. That when I think that is, I think it's not too bad. Mm. What? <laughs> <laughs> but just hearing that that was allowed. Yeah. And it, and had been held in such with such reverence, you know, like that. Oh yeah, the Beatles, Strawberry Fields. Oh, what an amazing song! And then hearing all about how amazing the Beatles were, and you know, and the the greatest band of all time. But then having such a personal experience with it and listening to it and going, oh wow, no, this is this is yeah. totally amazing.
2: I don't
1: like,
3: do you remember yeah. when <laughs> well, this is going to take us back to earth. But
2: do you remember like? Uh, Deep Blue Something when they had, had their hits with Breakfast, Breakfast at
1: Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I just remember Everyone was it. like, what is that song about?
2: But I just remember hearing that and <laughs> being like, oh, they're trying to do a thing of, like, have conversational... I think I remember the film, and as I recall, you know, I, like we both kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, how is that so bad? But when John <laughs> Lennon does it, it's like completely transcendental. Yeah. Do you know, what I, mean? I think you have to have a bit
1: of um, cash, cultural cachet before you come in with possibly. That one. Yeah, I think when you go to the British Library and you see the um, the lyrics on the wall. Um, talking about <laughs> strawberry fields here, not, uh, not breakfast. Yeah. Um, but it does look like it's scrawled by an absolute maniac. Really? Yeah, because it's, it's all in blue and red pen. And it's completely ah, right. indecipherable, and you can just about make up. I mean, it's interesting that you can read the all of those "uh yes, oh no" yeah, bits yeah. are in there. But it does look like someone, like you know, if they brought that in to the studio the next day, you'd be like, "Go to bed, mate." <laughs> <laughs> What on earth have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, in Br-
2: Deep Blue Something played in Bristol a few years ago. I the- <laughs> yeah, I saw the flyer and it said playing uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's and their other, <laughs> hits. Well, they didn't other hits. Other hits? Yeah, they
1: didn't have any other hits. Anyway, sorry, I I've got sidetracked with s- Deep Blue Something. I seem to remember, and I'm just looking this up now, but yeah. I've got a feeling that they did a Beatles cover.
2: Really? Um, that was often the way, if you had a one-hit wonder, you'd come back with a cover. Deep Blue Something covered Dear Prudence.
1: I remember
3: seeing uh, Chesney Hawks in St Andrew's Student Union. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, he did he all played, the student games. He played uh, the one and only <laughs> yeah. uh, twice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it wasn't even the one and only performance of the one and only. It was, there was, <laughs> <laughs> it happened again, And then he played Yellow by Coldplay. It was nice. brilliant
1: Yeah, I can't remember who did Heaven and a Half Pipe But I saw them do that oh, twice I wow. um, can't
3: remember now <laughs> Oh, Bowling for soup My friend uh, said he went to see Embrace on their first tour And yeah. they opened with All You Good Good People And then yeah. closed with All You Good Good People But because they didn't have enough songs They did the entire set again Oh my god
2: <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing, do you know that story about Aerosmith They always used to end their set with one song Maybe it was Walk This Way or something and they were so mashed one day that they went on and played it. They thought, let's play it first. And they played the song and then just walked off stage because they thought it was the end of the gig. That's good.
3: Good night.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I was showing someone the other day who, we get this back to the Beatles, who saw Wings, one of their first ever gigs. And oh, Wings cool. did the same thing, where they didn't have enough songs. So they played their set twice. Uh, mm. I think it was like Nottingham Union. or was something. Was that the
1: tour there. when they were just doing student unions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That would have been quite fun to see. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, yeah. God, you'd be so tempted to shout out Beatles requests, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh he must, must have got tons of that, right? Mm. Surely when they started touring again.
1: Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'd hear Jet twice any day. Yeah. I've never really done a big deep dive into Wings, uh, either of you. There's certain tunes that,
3: um, that yeah, just totally... It's weird, because it's got such a mad reputation, that band, hasn't it? But there's certain tunes that are just so amazing. That Let em In tune is is a yeah, fucking that's beast. Cracking. Yeah, So good. That's a real sort of, like, end of disco. The, you, you've had it, like, you've you've been partying. You have that go on at, like, 6am in the morning, Let em In. Oh, beautiful.
2: Uh, do you know the song My Love? The the wing song. You'll probably know it when you hear it. The, the very, very funny... Um, Bit in Dreaming the Beatles about that, where Rob Sheffield, the author, just thinks it's the worst song that's ever been recorded because <laughs> he's basically trying to do um, something by George Harrison but failing miserably because he makes it all about himself. He just says mm. it's like, you, you know, it's not about someone else. It's about what you mean to me.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, uh, I genuinely really like that song. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. And because I thought it was quite a sort of deep cut when yeah. I found it and I'd had no idea of the absolutely honking reputation that it has. <laughs> but uh, I always quite like it. I love his vocal on it. Yeah. It's amazing. Isn't that the classic thing with McCartney is that he has these songs
3: which like are completely uh, written off by, uh, been written off by music journalists. I remember like constantly reading in Q Magazine as a teenager and Mojo and all that, You know, people slagging off Mull of Kintyre mm. and like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. what, what an absolute joke of a tune that is and when I finally actually heard that song I was like, my God, yeah. this song is beautiful I think it's yeah. quite beautiful I absolutely love that yeah. song, I think it's amazing mm. Do you think anyone feels a similar way about the Paul McCartney song, Freedom? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh. that is a fucking pile of shit <laughs> that
2: song. Yeah, I mean he doesn't play it anymore, does he? It was a bit like misjudged, wasn't it? To use the word fight for your rights to live in freedom I, mean, I will he...
3: fight yeah. for the right. he even sings it in that like transatlantic American yeah. voice that he does sometimes oh I love but the thing is what is great about that is that song gave birth to that YouTube clip of him and Eric Clapton where he's oh, uh, yeah. Backstage And he's saying to Yeah oh, you know I've just done this song And you know It's, it's, it's a simple little blue scene He's
1: got some G
3: And just, I can't really do a Mac <laughs> <You> sound
2: <like laughs> It sounded like he went to North Wales Which is not far from Liverpool All Right, to be fair.
1: right I go I goes uh, <laughs> <said G>, right
3: <laughs> But what's great Is that he's doing this whole bit In front of Clapton Who's just like Alright yeah Yeah it's just You know it's an easy number <laughs> He goes from G And It's a minor thing yeah and uh, You're just joining Just joining You know You know It goes to A minor A minor <laughs> <laughs> A minor <laughs> i A minor But Clapton's fi- It's worth it Just to see the look Of absolute disgust On Clapton's face And I just think Yes Clapton You fuck <laughs> you, You're going to get Fucking spoon fed By Macca Because you just Know your place You just yeah. play that Little simple chord progression That Macca's Fucking spoon feeding To you You <laughs> stupid cat Anyway, yeah, Mull of Kintyre.
2: It's got that lovely major seventh note in it because it's a pentatonic melody, isn't it? I mean, I, I have no idea. Because uh, it had to be pentatonic to be played on bagpipes. Of course, yes. Ah, but there's, there's a lovely... It's quite, the way it works over the chords is really, really lovely. It's, quite, it's a beautiful melody, I think.
1: One of my friends for my birthday, who is one of those people that listens to this podcast but never stops going on about how he doesn't like the Beatles, (laughs) (laughs) Um, sort of bought me a um, a Pipes of Pete's as an ironic birthday present a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but it's absolutely brilliant. So, joke's on you, Jimbo.
3: I really like uh, Frog Song. Yeah, me too. Bang into it. It's beautiful. I remember getting the book... And the audio tape when I was a kid yeah. and listening to that and the, the big froggy chorus, the choir at the end. Oh, yeah. The sort of the, the deep, the beat, uh, the deep uh, mm. bass tenor. Yeah. <laughs> I was
1: about to say I can smell another impression.
3: <laughs> Sorry, I'm, no, com- I'm compelled. It's great. But
2: it's, it's weird, like, David Bowie does The Snowman. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's so wicked!" Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Paul McCartney does Rupert the Bear.
1: Everyone's
2: like, "What a prick!" Slagged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're both great. <laughs>
3: what are you drinking, Johnny? I'm drinking um, Williams Brothers Brewery Joker IPA. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, not Which, tried
1: that.
3: They're from. Yeah. They're based in Aloha, and they are mm. actual brothers. The Williams nice. Brothers nice. Yeah. We've, We used to We put on events as Lost Map uh, Occasionally on in, on the mainland In Edinburgh and Glasgow And um, yeah when we do our own bar We get Williams Brothers beer in, And they're very nice They set up the bar for
2: you I mean, I'm, I'm, You're going to be staggered at how I've managed to get this back with the Beatles But Sean Lennon <laughs> Really likes Williams Brothers Because you remember Sean Lennon did an album Called Midnight Sun a few years ago When he did this oh, kind yeah. of side project Thing. Oh, and, they've uh, got a beer called Midnight Sun. A mid- beer called Midnight Sun. So when he was touring in Scotland, he was drinking Williams Brothers. So
1: there we go. Wow, <laughs> there go. We can bring it back from anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the beer of the Beatles,
3: Sons. Mm.
1: They never really t- had, you know, they're not very beery, the Beatles, are they supposed to just used to drink like Watney's Red Barrels? Lager and Lime in Help. Yeah, Lager and Lime. Yeah, yeah. that's true.
2: It's true. Um, but I th- yeah, I think they were boot Like, they must have boozed. It wasn't just tea.
1: I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. So, you mentioned earlier that in the States and you spent a lot of time in those record shops where you discovered sort of secondhand Beatles albums, but was that um, kind of where your your musical tastes developed for when that period in the States?
3: About being in these record shops, discovered, yeah, the Beatles and uh, and then. Uh, really heavily into Belle and Sebastian, and yeah. the Beat the beta band was really like a oh, cool. was a massive turning yeah. point for me. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah, it's funny how it takes leaving home for you to fall back in <laughs> yeah. love with that stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Did you ever get into sort of solo Beatles stuff at that point? No, not really. Um,
3: until later, I think it was only um, after. I think it was when I came back to Scotland and I went to university in St Andrews and um, went into the local record shop there, which was run by Kenny Anderson, King Cruzo. He used to run the. He worked in the local CD shop, mm. and buying um, Plastic Ono Band, hearing that and be like, "Oh, my god!" <laughs> it, mm. They kept going. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, and yeah,
2: just loving all that. I, I read somewhere, I think it's on your website, how, about how one thing you like to write about is isolation, <laughs> which made me think of the Lennon song. But what, what did you what did you mean by by that? Do you think when you said that's one of the things you
3: write about? Um, I think it's just I tend to write songs that uh, are about they're quite insular. I guess yeah. or looking within looking within oneself. Mm-hmm. Um just as like I guess that Strawberry Fields tune did. Um yeah. the uh that Strawberry Fields tune, do you know what <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. I th- it's just music for me is tr- has always been about trying to it, um just trying to express that thing that's slightly unknowable. Yeah, and trying and always trying to reach for that sort of, uh, yeah, self awareness or trying to reach for that thing of knowing, trying to figure out who you are. And um, that's so interesting. And
2: cause I think, yeah. I mean, maybe it's doing Paul a disservice, but do you think John is definitely more the more the Beatle who's in tune with that kind of thing?
3: Um, I mean. I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because he's, he's just that. It seems with John and Paul, the whole thing seems to be always about breaking them down to their personality types and their, and and how they reveal the personalities through their songwriting, right? And that seems to be the the whole d- debate around, you know, are you John or are you Paul or whatever? And uh, I th- people are constantly trying to find that understanding, aren't they? This is the thing about music, is that. Um, and and podcasts such as this and, <laughs> just, and and talking about music is that it's always trying to find that undefinable thing like uh, it's human in, uh, nature to want to break down that thing that is unknowable I think and yeah. trying to uh, and music is a sort of language that we can't this just sounds like hippie bullshit no, doesn't it's it not. but, it, <laughs> but uh, it is like a language that we can't that we're all fluent in, and yet we don't yeah. quite understand what the what it actually is, yeah. and so trying to work out the sort of yeah why it is, yeah. why why is music seems to be the thing. So it's, um, when it comes to finding the differences between John and Paul, that seems to be the eternal question. And actually, there's there's probably enough evidence on both sides for them. I don't know.
1: I think mm. definitely.
3: That. I mean. You know, if you think Strawberry Fields starts,
2: living is easy with eyes closed, and that is a great line about, you know, the in- internal <laughs> internality. I suppose the looking mm. inside yourself. Mm. But I do think with Lennon there is that thing where he was always writing and looking within, whereas Paul's kind of more look- about looking outwards. Maybe, but maybe that's just a complete oversimplification.
3: <laughs> no, I think you're probably right. Um... He might argue. <laughs> he might be like, actually, the frog song. Was yeah, <laughs> some
2: deep inner turmoil. That, the frog w- was me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are all the frog. Yeah. yeah, the walrus was Paul. The frog was Paul.
1: Um, maybe he's just got a less direct way of uh, of saying that. I mean, we always talk about that—the fact that they're double A sides, "Penny Lane" and um, "Strawberry Fields," and they basically evoke this a similar kind of feeling but they are completely different songs and you know in the sort of mundanity of the barber showing photographs it's not as uh, it's not quite open your mind float downstream or you know it's not trying to be as sort of directly spiritual is it but there's still something in there that connects with you in a similar way
2: just wanted to clarify that jack is aware that uh, turn off your mind relax and float downstream is from tomorrow never knows not strawberry fields i think he was just using it to illustrate
3: a kind of classic lennon lyric there anyway on we go i think lyrically Macca just does is quite different to how john writes and but like his voyage of discovery is through the sort of weird the journey that it takes you on, with the melodies and with the chord changes and the key changes in his tunes mm. that happen, uh, at, which whereas jo- John's songwriting—correct me if I am wrong—is sort of uh, particularly in the sort of later period of the Beatles is more, uh, what's the word, like linear, is and just kind of follows mm. like, um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's more stream of consciousness, and
3: it doesn't veer off into any sort of. Uh, wild chord progressions or anything like that Certainly by the time of
2: Plastic Ono Band I'd say it's stripping back a lot to something mm. very, very simple
3: And rep- rep- repetitive, you know
1: Yeah, they're very distilled ideas I suppose. Mm. Aren't they?
3: But I, guess I find it really hard to talk uh, articulately about <laughs> Yeah. I'm so glad I've come on your podcast about the Beatles because it's it's that that yeah a thing. It's it's trying to trying to capture yeah an understanding of what of the creative process, which is we're all we're all interested in that. We all love we'd all love to work out how how I. How do you come up with your ideas?
2: Yeah. yeah, there are many ways in which the thing I am trying in vain to say can be tried in vain to be said. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Forsyth, no, that was Samuel Beckett. <laughs> <says> that, um, <laughs> but that's such a great that's such a great line. So you're just endlessly trying to define the thing that you don't not sure if you can define. Yeah, you know?
1: well, <laughs> the, I hope to God we don't find it. it we'll be fucking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not was this? this. Yeah. But <laughs> then I don't
3: even think it's funny because I think even a oh, songwriter is better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny even as songwriters. I think it's kind of the like they must have gone on that journey themselves, and it's uh, you know trying to recapture old past glories and past successes. And um and sometimes reaching that and sometimes getting it and then sometimes not getting it. It's weird, I was listening to one of your episodes recently where you were talking about the reissue of Flaming Pie and I thought Oh yeah, oh, yeah that was talked about quite fondly, wasn't it? At the time when it came out and people were like, Oh Mac is back and this is this is a great album and then I listened to it this week, it's fucking shit. Oh <laughs> no. It's rubbish.
2: <laughs> Calico Skies is great.
3: I love Calico Skies That young young boy tune. That's great. Rubbish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful night, but yeah, you do get the feeling that Paul's re- Paul albums are, to a certain degree, reviewed completely on like how trendy he happens to be in the current <laughs> zeitgeist. Because you know they're definitely they don't get a f- fair crack of the whip a lot of the time.
2: There's always like my friend. I've, I've probably said this before, but like my friend Sam was saying, there's always like. W- and he's a huge pool fan. And he's always saying, like, whatever you think of the album, there's always, like, at least one or two, like, you know, gold standard Paul songs on the album. So, like, off the ground, Golden Earth Girl on that album is fucking brilliant. It's such a good yeah, song.
1: <laughs> I love that song. Uh,
2: yeah, but, like, he could still do it, like, even though he wasn't particularly cool at that point in time.
1: Hmm. I mean, Biker Like an Icon's not, not nah, brilliant. It's all right. <laughs> never never knew what that meant <laughs> over the
2: course of this podcast i've just been like you know what it's all good i don't care everything is good mm. <laughs> Every but, you know like you're long. saying
1: if uh if you know if we can't put our finger on it and they can't put their finger on it like you know he knows that there's no lightning in the bottle technique to mm. songwriting
3: totally it's just about committing to it and just going right this is what I want to write about in this moment and let's just see what happens. Like, Paul sometimes, seen, when he's interviewed, sometimes says, oh,
2: he said the thing like, oh, I feel like writing a song now and it's like a piece of work. Richard Thompson does like that as well. It's almost like getting up and sitting at a desk every morning. Do you ever write songs in that way? Where kind of like, I'm going to write a song today or do they come much more organically?
3: So nowadays, since having kids... Yeah. <laughs> um, I sort of have to compartmentalise when I do music. And actually, I feel like it's been really good. So for me as a songwriter, I feel like I uh, I, I feel much more confident in the stuff that I'm producing now because I spend specific time doing it in very concentrated bursts. So there'll be like two or three weeks where that's all I'm doing is just spending time writing songs and uh recording stuff and then um and then taking it to my friend rob the last few albums I've recorded with my friend rob jones who is based down in aldershot nice mm. <laughs> rock, rock city <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah. and uh we record in his wee studio there and cool. then I'll take the music back and I'll sort of uh let it digest and then go then return to it and it becomes like a sort of editing process um the sort of and where the song writing can still kind of go off in a different direction so it's become that now and i'm yeah i'm glad i'm glad it is that because it means that when i am sitting down doing the writing i've got a bunch of stuff that's stored up and it all comes out in one big splurge
2: mm.
3: and um it's just sort of organizing the splurge yeah. That's sure. how I write my songs. <laughs> this is my new podcast Organizing name the, Spledge. the Spledge. Organizing. It's a Good album name. <laughs> do you yeah.
2: um, do, do you find though when you've recorded a demo and then you record it in the studio do you ever like think I'll oh, actually prefer the demo?
3: Well, nowadays with Rob um I take the stuff that I've recorded on my Zoom multi-track recorder and we'll take mm. it down and we'll take those elements. So a lot of Okay. I just released a single called Natural Successor. Yeah. That's and great. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah. And, and the Django
2: Django remix as well. Really
3: yeah, great. that yeah. just came out. Um, so, that song I recorded in a wee bothy um, that we've got just up uh, from the house and um, called St. Franny's Bothy.
1: Mm.
3: And I spent a week in there at the beginning of this year writing some new tunes and put my bass guitar through my sampler. Mm to get had this really nice sort of gain setting on it that makes it sound really it's like just the best distortion sound I could I, that I'd heard up until that point mm. with my own recording and yeah uh just recording that onto my 8-track with like a really shitty drum machine and then t- took that idea down to Rob and he was like well this this part is really great and this is really mm. great let's so a, a lot of the stuff particularly on this forthcoming record and on World is stuff that I am playing and recording and and doing myself. And so there's not much re recording that's having to be done. It's more mm. just sort of playing stuff to complement it that makes it, that balances it out, and makes it sound nice, mm, nice. <laughs> makes it sound listenable to the <laughs> public cons- public consumption. What's your favourite Beatles album? <laughs> Did you want to know? Yeah, yeah. It's still the Blue album. And ah. it's specifically. The first disc, first mm. CD disc of the Blue Album. Cool. Because the second disc,
1: old brown shoe.
3: I like old, old brown shoe. shoe. But even before <laughs> that, like um, back in the USSR, can't be bothered with it.
1: Not for
3: ah. me. While my guitar gently weeps, fucking shit. Sorry, Clapton. Oblady Oblada <laughs> Need I say more? Then you got Get Back. Okay. Don't let me down. All right. Brilliant. Ballad of John and Yoko. Like it. Okay. All brown shoes. Shit. No. <laughs> uh, the thing is with the blue album that like, <laughs>
2: Robin didn't like that. Sorry. <laughs> the the cuts from Sgt Pepper sound very weird outside of Sgt Pepper. I think. Like the song Sergeant Pepper doesn't really make sense if it's not on the album Sergeant Pepper.
3: See, this is the, maybe this is where I should reveal my controversial Beatles opinion. Go for it. Yeah, it's time. Maybe I've already done it <laughs> uh that I think I don't and maybe you guys all know you you might know what the answer to this is, but like do you know who sequenced the uh the track listings for for their studio albums? was it the band
2: yeah, they would have all they were all quite closely involved in that,
1: yeah, I think up until the end, where there were big disputes over it, and then let it be was the one that they did without Paul knowing. Mm. Um, but the White
2: Album was famously like a 24-hour session of the the final mix and uh, track listing. Yeah,
1: I think George Martin had a big input as well, mm.
3: because I think their track listings are, uh, you particularly on the big albums are so wrong. Really? And I, mm. and I think, it's, and it's probably because my first experience of the Beatles was listening to the best of the Beatles. Best of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because listening to that album, like well, I have to get the track listing in front of me. Like Pepper. Well, listening to the 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 blue album and, and hearing A Day in the Life in the middle of that album. Yeah, it's quite weird. It makes no, it makes total sense. That's exactly where it should be on Sgt. Pepper. Right. Okay. I, like, uh, it shouldn't be the final song. The last song on Sergeant Pepper should be with a little help from my friends. Like that is the most does makes it's an upbeat ending. Yeah, but that's it, it's a journey, isn't it? So you like you know you start and then you got the day in life in the middle and you're like where the fuck am I in the middle of nowhere and then and then but everything's all right in the end because I get by with a little help from my friends. It, but with with a with a little help from my friends is track two on Pepper, right? Mm. That is the most insane track listing I've ever heard <laughs> in my
2: entire life. I tell you one thing, I do, track listing wise, Revolver. I Want to Tell You is followed by Got to Get You Into My Life, which I think is so unfair to George because I Want to Tell You sounds like it's about to turn into Got to Get You Into My Life. Mm. And so it's just like...
1: Yeah, they're too too similar. They're too similar. Similar feel, similar rhythm. And I also think that about fixing a hole and getting better. Mm. They're mm. too similar. That's interesting.
2: There's a one on help that me and my brother always used to point out where it's tonally, it one song ends the next one begins and it's, the, it's the, the song sounds really out of tune because of the key of the previous song. Another girl You're gonna lose that yes, girl yes,
3: you're gonna lose that girl You're gonna
0: lose, yes, yes, you're that, gonna
1: girl. lose that girl If you don't take her
2: At this point, Johnny asked us if Norwegian Wood was the second song on Rubber Soul, and of course Jack and I knew that. We didn't have to look it up or anything. Norwegian Wood is the second song, yes.
3: Yes. It should be the last song. It should be the last song on that album. Oh, that's a good shout, Yeah,
1: absolutely. That is a good shout. That's a great shout. And
3: only because Corner Shop had it at the end of their... Yeah, they
2: did.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I love that, which was
2: approved by Yoko to... uh, to, to, Do that because because obviously they changed the the it was recorded in the Punjabi language wasn't it? Yeah, great band, what a band.
1: So that was Johnny Lynch, aka Pictish Trail, and mm. a fascinating chat it was too. <laughs> yeah. Good egg, very very funny man. Good egg, yeah. Lives good egg, egg. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Very funny man. I mean, he used to he started off doing comedy, I believe, and um, yeah, mm. just so yeah. I love his voices. I loved his how he couldn't stop singing. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. great. <laughs> it was brilliant.
1: And, uh, yeah, just brilliant enthusiasm and passion mm. for sort of writing and recording and music yeah. in general, Ch- which is very infectious. Yeah, check out his album Thumb World. It's very, very good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Um, so thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear an extended version of that episode, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash personal where We can get ad-free extra extended versions of all of our podcasts in this series as well as your Monthly bonus ones um, and as mentioned at the top of the show uh, we're this is the end of our sort of regular run but we will be back um, with a few more shows before the year is out including upcoming bonus one with Johnny White really really and um, some very exciting things um, up our sleeve that aren't yet confirmed but um, <laughs> hopefully will happen yeah. um, so we'll be, remain tight-lipped about it for now schrodingers
2: um, Schrodinger's
1: sleeve. Yeah, exactly And, uh, yeah, I mean I was thrilled that Johnny uh, Even used our new catchphrase Which we accidentally invented a couple of uh, weeks ago So uh, For you and everyone else listening Goodbye and keep beetling on Keep beetling on (laughs) Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender The podcast artwork is done by Morgan Ritchie It's produced by me, Jack Pelling And is a Homespun Sounds production